Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And today we're talking minute 66 of Predator. You could call this the Order 66 of minutes from Revenge of the Sith, where uh, all the clone troopers had a little code switched on in their brains by the Emperor and killed all the Jedi. Do you remember that part? The time has come. Execute Order 66. I do remember that part. I would have never known it's 66. Yeah, it's... Uh, you say that, but who's say who's seeing uh, the new Star Wars on opening night Thursday night next and, week? And I am stoked. Don't get me wrong. I am yeah, I'm super into stoked. I hope I'm sitting in between a guy dressed as Fat Bobby and uh, Fat <laughs> Darth Vader. Was she a big fat person? <laughs> Was she a big fat person? <laughs> you put the lotion in the basket and a big fat Darth Vader. Nice. <laughs> Uh, I did when I chose my seat. It was like all blue. It was like all, you know, taken. Or I guess it's gray on the screen. They're all mm-hmm. gray, except for there's one single blue seat, like right in the middle of the theater. And that's the one I grabbed. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I have nice. no idea who I'm sitting around, but. Hey, well, it'll be a fun little experience. Yeah. I'm, I am uh, super stoked. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Everything's like living breathing star wars and anticipation for me these days i know i'm gonna have to i'm gonna do a little star wars watching to kind of catch up and get ready i want to rewatch the last jedi because it's been a while mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh i need to catch up with the mandalorian i haven't seen any of those yet mm, so and good. uh i've been wanting to rewatch uh rogue one um yeah because i i watched that a while back and I just listened to a podcast about it recently and I maybe want to rewatch it. And it's, it's been a couple of years actually. So Ooh, is that I podcast to... going to be recommended? or do you want to uh, name it right here? No, I can, uh, it was, uh, it was actually friendly fire oh. on their bonus feed. They Double do bonus. Yeah. They kind of do like what they call pork chop movies on their, right. on their bonus feed. And they did rogue one and they right. uh, reviewed it as a war movie and it was really good actually. That's what I've heard a lot of people talk about that movie as is as like the war movie of Star Wars. Mm. (laughs) Ironically enough, a movie called Star, a series called the Star Wars doesn't always feel quite like a war is going on, but that one definitely makes it feel like that. Yeah. And I just love the idea of this, like they take the opening credits from A New Hope Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, let's just take this little (laughs) story and, and tease it out. And what would that look like? Yeah. I love that. That's a cool idea. That is a cool idea. I, I, I would love to see more of that. But we're talking Predators. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Predator, putting you on the back burner for all the Star Wars <laughs> hype. But, you know, if you had a new movie coming out right now, too, we'd be probably hyping that up, too. But we're talking uh, Minute 66 and in Order 66 of this minute. Order 66. We open with Dutch looking at Anna Anna after her analog. And... Ooh. It ends with Dutch walking over the team's trap, not trying traps. to trip traps. It's a trap! Not trying to trip the trap. Don't trip the trap. Don't trip the trap. So, Jeff, why don't you take us from the top? Sure. We've got uh, 
About 22 seconds, I suppose you would break this up into. Uh, the first 22 seconds here carries over from last minute. <laughs> and we've got Dutch uh, continuing to stare at Anna Anna after her analog. Mm. And then we just get some shots. Mac looks at Dutch. Oh, I, Mac, sorry. I, I, totally, I totally biffed that. It's, it's Dylan looking between oh, Dutch and right. Mac. Okay, my my mistake. I, was, I had Mac on the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can you not? And I probably shouldn't just read verbatim what you wrote, but it, <laughs> it, I find that it keeps me uh, focused. <laughs> all right, all right, we'll write the right name. I'm like uh, Ron Burgundy. I'll just read whatever is in front of me. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> that was a good one that was a good show <laughs> uh, uh, okay i'm gonna take it from the top there all right take it from the top <clears throat> all right so uh, we got the first 22 seconds here is our carryover from last minute of course mm-hmm. and uh, dutch continues staring at anna anna after her analog and then we get mm. some shots we get uh dylan Dylan. He's looking uh, between Dutch and Mac. 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 And uh, Dutch's face is sort of uh, shadowed by some birds, and we get a little fake out there, a little like mm-hmm. very light bird jump scare that's not really scary. Um, Ponchito makes a quick appearance, mm-hmm. wearing, wearing no hat. No uh, hat. He looks kind of nervous towards the trap area. Um, and then we get a line from Dylan. 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 And I have to, uh, do you want to give Dylan's line here real quick? Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he looks over at Dutch and says, so what are you going to try next? Cheese? <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I, I first listened through this, I, I kind of forgot about this line. So when I was watching I the did minute, too. I, I thought at, at very first, I thought you said, so what are you going to try next? Cheese? Like he was calling him Cheese. <laughs> That's one of his many nicknames. Right. Exactly part of the team. I was like, why is he calling him Cheese? Did I miss something? Is that a nickname? And then I realized, oh, comma, Cheese. Okay, I get it. <laughs> cheese as in a trap. Take the bait. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little slow, folks. Don't mind me. Well, it's really cold where you are. You know, the brain That's right. You know, is a little bit slower when uh, – yeah. You're, yeah you're for those of you that don't know, I am podcasting in my garage and it's about 32 degrees outside right now or something. Thanks, Cheese. So, <laughs> Thanks, Cheese. So I, I, I have to dive in. I just, I, I too forgot about this moment where he says, what are you going to try next, Cheese? Mm-hmm. Um, with it, It's one of these examples in a movie of like not necessarily telling a joke as much as like trying to keep the characters a little bit realistic, I think, with like a little bit of like banter, which yeah. is nice that the team can still have that uh, but at, at the same time it's like <laughs> this is literally seconds after Anna Anna just talked about how this thing comes to um, earth during the hottest summers and skins the the people <laughs> in the area and, and he's kind of like okay what are we going to do to catch this thing well, maybe, maybe you got a hunk of cheese yeah he's being a bit flippant uh, con- considering the the gravity of the situation isn't he yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Would that be you, do you think, like Kraken-wise? I, I think that would be a little bit me, like, either through nervousness or just, like, trying to break some tension or just, like, 
this is honestly really boring just sitting here <laughs> staring at the jungle floor. Yeah, I probably would. That sounds like something I would do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I uh, I uh, deal with stress and tension by uh, making bad jokes, probably mm. at inappropriate times. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is this would be a good time to start cracking wise. I mean, what, what do what do you have to lose? Dutch firing back, but uh, Dutch doesn't fire back. Dutch, you know, plays the part of the leader. If are you done talking about the first part? Because I don't have a whole lot to say about the first part. Yeah. No, that's about it. Yeah. Jump on. Uh, I guess it's I guess part. it's really nice seeing Panchito again, and this time, like you said, he's not wearing his hat and his hair is spiked up, a la Dutch. I would argue he's like mm. a, trying to pull a mini Dutch. He's trying to be like cheese. Yeah, trying to be like the big cheese, the Dutch cheese. <laughs> when the world is Dutch cheese? I don't know, but it sounds delicious. It sounds like it's one of those things that could be delicious, but it could also be really, really terrible. It might terrible. be like lamb intestine ground up with something else and they just call it cheese. I'm going, I, I, my instinct said really stinky cheese. And when I list the, when I look at the list of Dutch cheeses, one of them is Limburger, which is mm. notorious for its, uh, how would you say delicate smell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever had uh, actually had Limburger cheese. I haven't either, so I might just be <clears throat> talking from all the stereotypical depictions and media when people right. smell Limburger, and you know the cartoon figures are repulsed by it. So maybe it's actually delicious. So so yeah. sorry, sorry Limburger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at Poncho's hair again. He really does have a full on kind of little quaff going on there. Mm-hmm. He's, he's really poofed it up nice and spiky yeah and this is this is his look for the movie onward this is mm-hmm. panchito's uh right attempt at like like i was saying like a mini dutch or <laughs> like you're saying like a stylish quaff like yeah. i'm gonna go out in style if we're gonna go down fighting i'm, I'm gonna go down with my hair did <laughs> i'm gonna spike it up yep. my best yep gotta look your best <laughs> All right, so do you want to take us through the next uh, sequence here? Sure, let's uh, take it from the second top. Here we go. So mm-hmm. we cut to Dutch reacting to Dylan's uh, cheese line by walking out of the hiding spot along the edge of the trap at first, and then slowly, slowly, Dutch is making his way into the middle of the trap while Dylan does that classic whisper yell, Dutch, mm-hmm. Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, as... Billy and Dylan, Anna, Anna look on. Dutch makes his way across the large ground trap. We're looking really cautious, trying really hard not to step on really any vines and doing a really good job of it. At one point, he almost trips himself. Yeah, he with gets one a of the, little bit stuck on that foot. Yeah, he almost triggers the treadle trap, but he somehow wiggles his foot free just in time and not actually triggering it. Uh, And then we end the minute with the wide shot after we look right at Dutch with the camera and him pointing the gun at the camera. We end on a wide shot of Dutch's back as he's making his way into the clearing further and further and slowly, slowly. So what do do you have for this section? Well, uh, if I'm watching this for the first time, I'm uh, wondering what his... uh, plan of action is here. <laughs> yeah, me right? too. Like, why are you walking out and delicately <laughs> stepping over these wires and putting yourself in uh, a lot of harm's way? Mm-hmm. Like, what is your, what's your end game here, Dutch, is what I'm wondering. With Dylan obviously giving us the line about cheese, that is what is spiking Dutch into action. That's what's 
pushing him out there, I believe. I have to take that to mean that he thinks of cheese as a classic bait in a trap. And so maybe he's thinking, I have to be the bait in the trap. But that said, does the team know what to do if he's putting himself out in the trap and something happens to him? Because if you're the bait in the trap, sometimes, you know, you're going to be victimized by whatever you're trying to trap. Yeah, I feel like the people watching on have to be thinking this this is kind of a reckless move. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, puts them into position where what are they going to do if, you know, something starts going to shit here? Mm-hmm. They don't really have a lot of recourse. You mentioned that this little sequence of him just slowly walking out into the trap is kind of a mundane sequence in a sense, but there's a very famous screen grab here, correct? Correct. Yeah. Not only is the shot of him uh, pointing his gun slightly to the right of the camera and looking at the camera at second 54, Um, Not only is that shot used as an alternate take for the poster for Predator, but also uh, also in in 1987, it was used for another cover art, and that's for the NES game Contra, which I thought was really interesting considering the timing of uh, the movie, because the movie Predator is released in June of 1987, and Contra on the NES is released in February of 1987 so they must have seen some stills they must have seen i don't know like the early test footage um the contra people because if that's what is on their cover and it comes out first i thought that was just really interesting timing i was i was i didn't dive into like if predator if like 20th century fox ever like reached out and tried to sue for you know uh, an image lifted right from a movie but um I think forever and ever, Contra is, at least the cover art, is known for having that depiction of Arnold and then behind him the clear depiction of Stallone as Rambo. Yeah, like, I I might think that it was just, you know, well, it's probably just a coincidence, but when you look at it next to the screen grab, it is... It is straight up like exactly the same. Like they've Mm -hmm. taken it and they've just taken that image and animated it and then just change the facial feature so it doesn't look like Arnold and they threw a headband on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, man, it is like spot on. I was shocked at how similar those two shots are. And then you're right, the guy on the Contra uh, covered kind of to the right with the red bandana on is clearly meant to invoke... Uh, a little Rambo there, a little First Blood. Yeah, and I'm looking at just the Google images for that right now. And yeah, while they're making the background, the other character look like Stallone with the red handband and the dark hair. Um, when I click on the Google images, there's, and I can post this, I'll, I'll post this real quick in the notes. You'll see it too. Uh, you'll see that, yes, the lead guy definitely looks like Dutch looking at the camera, but the guy in the background with the red bandana also looks exactly like a, a pose that Dutch had in the movie Predator, <laughs> just leaning to the side, holding the exact same weapon and the exact same pose, the exact same muscles, uh, same jawline and same look to the side. Um, all that's different is the hair and the bandana that were uh, oh, wow. changed and added. Do you think the monster in the background looks kind of like the alien? Yeah, the background monster always reminds me of Alien. Yeah. If I remember correctly in Contra, um, there is um, like a Z, there's like a, there's, there's, there's little creatures that look like face huggers towards the end. I think on the last boss, Red Falcon, there's some face hugger mm. minions he's sending out. And I don't remember if it's Contra 1, but definitely in Contra 3, there's like a xenomorph looking head that you have to take on. Mm. 
So yeah, there's there's some heavy influences here in the in the in the late '80s. Uh, definitely some aliens and predator influences going on in video games. Oh yeah, now I'm looking at the uh, the side by side shot of the other guy on the Contra. The, what you were just talking about that's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you have to post those to, to the uh, Palapa. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I'll just lift it from. Yeah. <laughs> Lift it from the, the Google and put it on there. But yeah, yeah check pretty, that out, everybody. It's pretty, uh, pretty surprising how <laughs> close it is. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, so um, let's see. Where, where were we in the, the whole imagery? Where were we in the description here? Uh, um, music? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little bit – the second part is a little bit longer. It's, uh, it's around, what, 38 seconds, 38 to 40 seconds. And while – it's a longer cut here or a longer scene here. They're trying to keep the suspense up. And one way they're doing that is with the music playing these, I would say semi suspenseful music. It's not like high suspense because high suspense can't really be sustained for, you know, half a minute to a minute long. Mm -hmm. You really have to kind of cut it down and use it sparingly. But here I feel like the music is really well, is really used well here with these long low notes that are i don't know almost remind me of like someone playing the piano but like i think it's strings i don't know if it's strings or woodwinds i'm not really sure i don't know my instruments but i do know like that kind of like at some point at one point it's like do yeah it sounds like i think strings is right it sounds like cello perhaps Mm. because that deeper kind of lower sound yeah the music here really helps because although all we're seeing is him just sort of slowly walking out into this trap area the the music really helps to build the tension and uh mm-hmm. we're really not sure what's going to happen you know for watching this for the first time and i would say it's appropriate that it's kind of quieter too because he yeah. is trying to be super super quiet but at the same time he's out in the opening so it's interesting his tactic here we don't really know there's no communication among the team mm-hmm. um oh, i was going to say I would, I would argue that him doing this and not and them not discussing a lot is just another, you know, tick on the log of leadership for him. Yeah. And he's just being a good leader and like he's doing himself. He's putting himself out there as the bait. He's not trying to make one of his uh, teammates go in his place and sac- be sacrificed. Because if one of the teammates win, if one of the teammates win, he would, right, he, they'd be toast right here. We'd be added to the kill count. <laughs> right. I was going to mention that uh, in uh, the listeners Palapa on Facebook, uh, a listener uh, made a post about a conversation we had had. It was either last minute or a couple minutes ago. We were trying to kind of decide why he was setting all these traps mm-hmm. um, down in the low. trees. Yeah, you know, because the predator is in the trees. But uh, our listener pointed out that at one point he mentioned setting tripwires up into the trees, mm-hmm. which may indicate that by doing that, it, he set him up intentionally so that the predator could see them and would drive him down to the jungle floor, mm. um, potentially kind of into this trap area. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a good catch. It was something I didn't, uh, didn't quite catch on the first time around. So, um, yeah. shoot, I can't remember that, uh, poster's name, but, uh, oh, that's, thank you. that's Joseph Parker. He's, he's posted a few times. Nice. Yeah. So Joseph Parker, thank you for that. And uh, I think I thought that was a good insight and a good explanation for why they've set all this up on the jungle floor. This is I I never noticed these tripwires until now. But if you're looking for them, you will see them in this minute as Dutch is making his way into the clearing behind him. You see just a mess of jungle, but you also see one or two tripwires. You see one in front of Billy's face. Mm-hmm. And you see them kind of going diagonal this way and that way um, on the outside of the trap. 
Um, so I don't know if you saw that, but I, I am seeing that just as clearly as probably the predator is seeing that too, especially yeah. in front of Billy's face. But it's yeah, it's really really exciting to to find these little things in the details, like the shot of him uh, of Dutch looking at the camera, pointing his gun at the camera right behind him. There is a diagonal line and maybe one more diagonal line of that tripwire, you know, nested against the edge of the forest wall, so that like Joseph was saying, if the predator sees it, predator's probably going to take the low ground where it's uh, a little bit safer. Yeah. You know, I'm really enjoying like watching this movie kind of one minute, <laughs> one week at a time. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying really hard not to watch ahead before we we do these uh, episodes. And mm-hmm. I've seen this movie a gazillion times, but mm-hmm. since we've started watching it minute by minute, I've tried really hard not to watch past the minute. Yeah, and, me too. Yeah, and so now it's like I almost I, I know what's going to happen eventually, but I, I kind of forget what's going to happen in the short term uh, until we get to it. So uh, it's kind of fun. It's sort of watching it this way is is sort of like watching it from a new perspective. And uh, it really sort of builds the tension for me. And I'm like, oh, what's going to happen in the next minute? Because <laughs> right at this moment, I can't quite happen. I mean, remember what does happen in the very next minute of this movie. Yeah. Break it down this, you know, this micro. So um, yeah, that's been, a good point. Yeah. And I, I feel like uh, with the week in between, I feel like there's always like a week's worth of tension. <laughs> right. Like about to be you know, either broken or sustained, like what's going to happen next. I, I too forget like all the fine little details, even like you right. said, I watched it many, many times and including all the way through probably a month ago, just because I couldn't stop hitting the next minute time to hit the next minute, hit the next minute. So yeah, I'm, I'm also enjoying the scene by scene, just like the second by second soon to be blow by blow uh, account right. of, the, of the movie. Oh man. I'm excited. We're almost yeah. there. Sort of. Almost there. <laughs> <laughs> the script difference is very light in itself. Uh, in the script, Dutch does not bait the predator. He just sits on the outside of the trap um, with traps. Anna Anna and <laughs> traps. It's a trap! With Anna Anna and Ponchito. Mm. Um, but more importantly in the script, it does mention the treadle trap by name. I mentioned the name of the this kind of trap with the trigger being a Treadle trap, man, a lot of alliteration today. Yeah, a treadle trap trigger. <laughs> treadle uh, trap but it's mentioned trigger. treadle trap trigger, but it's mentioned in the script a couple times um, at this point in the movie. And I thought that was neat seeing that in the script. And I had done a little bit of outside research and learned that, and then seeing it uh, later on, it's, it's kind of validating. It's kind of neat. Yeah, nice. You were right on. Yeah, right on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then John McCommentary is kicking back in here for a few seconds here and there. He's talking about going back to Mexico for the second part of the shoot, namely mm. in Palenque and um, saying that when they made it to Palenque, they didn't have to fake the jungle because it was much more in season is much more full there. Uh, and he also mentioned how most of the locals helped to build a lot of the things for the set for this uh, second part of the shoot, including a giant concrete log, which he says that, uh, a giant concrete log, which we will see later on in the movie. It's going to be used a, a couple different times for a couple of different scenes. Huh. And so there's, yes, there's surprise. There's a surprising amount of details about this giant concrete, concrete log that we'll talk about later on in the movie as we see it. Yeah. I'm curious now, cause why do you need it out of concrete? I'm, uh, well, we'll get into it, but uh, yeah. they couldn't find a regular log or one that met the <laughs> specifications that they needed. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I guess we'll talk log. about it. Yeah, log, log, log. Log. <laughs> <laughs> Your neighbor's dog. <laughs> yeah. 
So All he's, right. he's and, and I imagine him saying that here must be indicating that this is Palenque and the real jungle. I'm not really sure. There's still a lot of dead leaves on the ground, but when you see those far shots, um, it does appear to be pretty green. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm no jungle expert, even though I do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am neither a, a, a jungle expert, so it looks pretty jungly to me. Yeah, pretty jungly all the way through to me. Yeah. Yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess but, means they did their job. Yeah, they did their job. Good job, production design. Yeah. So uh, we're ready to talk recommends, right? Ooh, yeah, let's do it. All right. So what do you have to recommend this week, Jeff? All right. I'm going to recommend, uh, once again, something from Netflix, everyone's nice. uh, favorite streaming service, or maybe not favorite, but you probably have it. <laughs> um, right. Uh, this is a, a stand-up special that came up recently, and this is a comedian who I've really liked for uh, years, and he has several specials on Netflix you can watch, and his name is Mike Berbiglia, hmm. um, and I really like his style of comedy because it's uh, sort of in a, a, a storytelling style, and he has a lot of stories um, about his childhood and growing up and coming of age that he references kind of early on in his work and his stand-up specials have kind of mirrored his life and as he's gotten older and gotten married and most recently he had a kid uh, his specials kind of touch on all these things that um, have happened and he's not that far in age from myself so it feels uh, very uh, relatable uh, to someone like me who's almost 40 and he's just hilarious he's really good if you like his stand-up specials, he also made a small independent movie a few years ago, several years ago, called uh, Sleepwalk With Me that hmm. is sort of autobiographical. It's, a, it's kind of about him beca- or getting into comedy and how that happened and, and what his life was like and what was going on. And it's really funny. So, uh, yeah, check out his new special. I believe it's called uh, The New One. Hmm. <laughs> and, I like uh, it. Yeah. The New One. <laughs> it's it's not only is it's a little double entendre because it's not only about it's his new special, but the focus of the special is about his uh, the new addition to their family, their child. Nice. Yeah. And uh, it's really funny. It's great. Um, and it's mostly, I wouldn't call it clean comedy, but it's like PG-13. So... If that's something you worry about, uh, it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's R-rated. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So check out Mike Berbiglia, the new one on Netflix. The new one it was really great. Awesome. Like in, in this in this phase of the year, this close to Star Wars new release date, I've just been watching all the Star Wars movies in chronological order, and I just finished oh boy. the Last Jedi a, a couple days ago. And with the little kids, you can relate to this. I've been watching. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe like 20 minutes or 15 minutes of a movie at a time. So I started planning this and started doing this probably back in September. That's <laughs> when I started with uh, episode one, Phantom Menace, and just watched all the way through, including Rogue One and wow. Solo in the appropriate orders. And yeah, just just finished a couple days ago. And that was with uh, taking the day off on Monday to um, be with my sick son. He didn't, he didn't mind watching some Last Jedi with me. Oh no! One-year-olds love the Last Jedi. Yeah, they love they love like subverting expectations for what you think a Star Wars is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, that's no, impressive. But, well done. Yeah, thanks. Uh, 
so I guess I don't know. Do I want to? Re- I'll recommend a super short thing. Um, recently, Will Ferrell was on SNL. He was hosting again, and um, SNL will just post little clips of the sketches on their YouTube channel. Hmm. I'm usually like the day after or a couple days after. And there's one Will Ferrell sketch that just made me laugh so hard. I had to watch it a few times. Uh, and it's his um, SNL Heinz commercial. And it's the introduction of a new Heinz bottle called Heinz Relax, where uh, the beginning problem that they're addressing with the Heinz ketchup bottle is like when you squeeze it, you know, it makes the kind of fart sound and people make fun of you like, oh, you farted. Uh, exactly. And then um, Heinz <laughs> goes on to fix the ketchup bottle. And then next time he squeezes it, it makes a completely different noise that's supposed to be relaxing. But <laughs> you just have to watch it <laughs> uh, quite a few times just the other day. And it yes. is hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. I'm not going to give it away, but I'm probably going to watch it here after we're done recording. <laughs> the punchline there is pretty good. <laughs> it's it's so good. <laughs> uh, it's all it's all of two minutes. So yeah, yeah. nice, short, easy recommend. Good because, recommend. Yeah, I'm really not taking in anything else other than my Star Wars content. I just started watching uh, Star Wars Rebels on Disney Plus. So I Ooh, joined that? Like, is that new... the, an animated thing. That's an animated thing. And I think it takes place. Um, in the couple of years before Rogue One, so it's like the stirrings of okay. different rebel groups, and mm-hmm. specifically like a little tiny group consisting of mainly a, a, a Jedi and a Jedi in training. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So I think that's it. So uh, with no more recommends, where can people find you, Jeff? Oh, I'm on the Twitter. You can find me, Carl underscore Hungus314. I am Jeff Glover on the Twitter. My name is Carl been expert. Come follow me there. John, where can we find all of our Predator Minute needs? Well, I'll start off with the email because I kind of forgot to <laughs> <laughs> mention that until later um, last time. Uh, you can email the show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com. You can join the conversation with Joseph and Eric and... What's his name? Christopher Dillon, I think his name is. Dillon. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and a few Zabriskies. And of course, Jeff Glover at the Predator Minute listeners, Palapa, there on the Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at Predator Minute. And for everything Predator Minute Order 66, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around. Stick around. Cheese. Stick around. <laughs> So what are you going to try next, cheese? <laughs> they call me the cheese. Cheese. What are you going to try next, you cheese? Cheese. <laughs> just, just bodies. Just bodies. Just bodies. You're just cheesy. You're cheese. <laughs> just cheese bodies. Do you remember being that age, like five or six, and like receiving like really cool Christmas presents? Hmm. No. <laughs> well, I should take that back. My, uh, I remember my grandmother back. back. I remember my grandmother uh, gave me the He-Man castle. Ooh, Grayskull. Yeah, and it had the thing where like you put the slime in the thing, and then you would like turn it over, and it would dump slime on whoever was below. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that was that's one of the early like big gift memories I have. And then the other like big gift memory I have wasn't for Christmas though. It was for my birthday on my seventh birthday. I woke up and, and ran out into the 
living room and uh, there was a Nintendo Entertainment Center oh. all, all set up, ready to go. Whoa, for yeah. Christmas? Yeah, well, that was my, for my birthday. Oh, for your birthday. I totally missed yeah, it. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> but that was, so that was 1987. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's when the NES was released. Yeah, it was, it was pretty... 80 in, um, in the US. I think in Japan it was 85. Hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, I had played it a couple times at a friend's house, and apparently, my parents set it up the night before and stayed up till like one in the morning drinking and playing Duck Hunt, <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Yeah. So they were like hungover. We're like, just <laughs> go out there and uh, play. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh no, I had that off a couple of years. That was 1985. So you would have been. Mm. Uh, was uh, that's your sixth birthday, right? Because uh, you and I are both born in '79, right? I was I was born in April of '80. Oh, April of '80. So, so I got this on my seventh birthday, so April of '87. Oh, okay, so then it wasn't brand new; it was a couple years old, but still, that was that yeah. was some hype times for. Yeah, uh, and that was just about when I was old enough to really like be able to even play video games. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you that's have awesome. a big? Do you have a big gift? Memory. Oh man, I was like so into GI Joes mm. back in the day, in the eighties. That was like Aaron and my jam was just yeah. having all the what is it like three and three quarter inch action figures. Oh yeah, where they could all like hold weapons, and their thumbs would always break, and the rubber bands <laughs> would break. Mm-hmm. And so like we'd have to like kind of figure out how to take them apart with like little screwdrivers and like make the <laughs> figures and kind of mod the figures, but. Um, there were a couple years where there's just these huge, huge GI Joe headquarters. The, there was the GI Joe was kind of like a mobile command mm. unit. I'm trying to think of what the name. Let me look up the name of it real quick. Uh, it was like a mobile command center. Yeah, I think that was it. The GI Joe mobile command center. It was this <laughs> giant, almost like Jawa sand crawler type of vehicle that kind of unfolded oh, in levels. Nice. Uh, and that was pretty cool. That was awesome to come down to find. We had um, Aaron and I had, and we we're all pumped for that. But then uh, the really big one was the Terror Drome, which was the <laughs> Cobra base that was like this giant, like just like it sounds, like a dome almost uh, with yeah. like a little um, center that opened up, and like this spaceship would take out of it, take yeah, would take off out of the center there, and they had like turrets and little swinging doors on the bottom level it was mm. it was pretty awesome it was it was worth a lot of memories there that's a good uh christmas morning gift there that's yeah a good was, one. yeah, yeah.